Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. I'm so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments for this new message series that I want to introduce to you. I want to introduce it with a question. Here it is. Have you ever been the recipient of uh, annoying advice? Uh, think about that for a moment. Has anyone ever given you advice that you would just as soon uh, have them keep it to themselves. I remember on a ski outing once with my two brothers, my older brother, my younger brother. Uh, my younger brother was quite the novice on the ski hill. Uh, myself and uh, older brother, not far uh, ahead of him, but at least we knew how to make our way down the hill. Uh, he did not, on the other hand. And when we took a lunch break, uh, he was quite frustrated, wanted to quit and go home, and uh, someone in our group, might have been me, gave some annoying advice. I said to my brother, you know, it could be worse. And he said, well, how's that? And I said, you could have diarrhea. <laughs> that would make it worse. Uh, my older brother thought that was quite funny. Uh, my younger brother, on the other hand, said, uh, you can take your advice and go to Helsinki <laughs> or Helena, Montana, anywhere uh, but uh, with me. And, uh, you know, this series... Uh, can almost feel like uh, annoying advice that we really don't want. And if you've ever been, uh, you know, tempted uh, to give someone their marching orders, uh, here's a, a biblical foundation for not giving bad advice. Uh, here's what the Proverbs say. Uh, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound, neither of those are real great things, is someone who sings songs to a heavy heart. In other words, uh, someone comes along and says, you know, I know you're going through it, but cheer up. Things aren't that bad. And uh, according to the wisdom of Solomon, that's not necessarily helpful. Uh, well, uh, the scriptural foundation for this series that we're going to go into, in fact, we're calling this series uh, Sing a Little Louder. And, uh, you know, if you attend church at Arlington FM, there's a song we sing it actually has the lyric, I sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. And uh, it goes on to say, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. And uh, here's kind of the scriptural underpinning of taking that approach uh, to the difficulties that we encounter in this life. Uh, we are told, invited in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 by the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he closes this important letter as uh, followers of Christ are dealing with disappointments and difficulties, and he kind of summarizes his message to them with these words. He says, rejoice always, pray, commune with God continually, and give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know, uh, often... Uh, well-intending people will take that uh, invitation to be someone who rejoices, always uh, prays continually, and gives thanks regardless of what is coming their way. Uh, people will take that uh, truth from the scripture, and they'll give their advice. kind of goes like this. It's not what you go through in life. It's how you think about what you're going through. And they'll say something like this. You know, the life we have, the life you have, is a reflection of what we think. And our lives often move towards our strongest thoughts. And, uh, you know, and then uh, kind of this question will come. 
Do I like where my thoughts are taking me? Am I happy with the way that I'm experiencing life even in the middle of the hard times? Well, you know, that uh, sort of advice uh, can be uh, like taking the coat off on a cold day or pouring the vinegar on an open wound. It may be truthful, but it's not necessarily helpful when someone's going through it. And uh, here's a reality that this series, I think, is kind of uh, provokes uh, my interest in teaching, especially as we kind of turn a corner, start aiming at the holiday season, November and December. Uh, here's the truth about our world, an ongoing and prevailing sense of despair and depression are epidemic in our world. Hear that again. This is uh, as true as the fact that the sun came up today, at least in some parts of the world. That ongoing and prevailing sense of despair and depression are epidemic in our world. In other words, a lot of people are living with a sense of hopelessness, uh, a sense that uh, their best efforts uh, aren't overcoming their challenges, aren't making their problems go away. In fact, when one set of issues has been dealt with, seems like another one comes cascading in almost uh, on the heels of what we've just come through. Uh, listen to this description of one father, a husband, describing his descent into a period of darkness, into a period of depression in his life. He writes, uh, there was no one overriding cause or crisis that precipitated my depression, just a slow, cumulative, creeping sense of losing touch with my life. And at the time, it made no sense. Uh, circumstantially, things were going fine. As a husband to an amazing wife, and a father to a growing number of little kids, I always felt guilty for not feeling happier. I loved my wife, and she loved me. We'd been blessed with healthy children who brightened our busy lives, but something felt just a little off-kilter inside of me. He goes on, I often felt like I didn't measure up. I couldn't provide what my kids needed. I knew I should be reading stories, helping with homework, playing hide-and-seek, but many times I didn't have the energy to even try. Ever felt that way? I knew what I wanted to do, what I thought I should do, but I couldn't muster the willpower to do it. This left me feeling like a failure, a fitting bow on top of the empty package of my intentions. And uh, this is one uh, father and husband's attempt to describe uh, his descent into a bleak outlook. And the thing that I noticed is uh, this description was written by Chris Hodges, lead pastor of the Highlands Church. Uh, this is one of the, uh, the most fruitful, healthy churches in America, if not the world, and has touched thousands upon thousands of people with the hope of Jesus Christ. And yet, uh, this pastor is disclosing his descent into a period of depression. And uh, as you follow uh, Pastor Hodge's story, interestingly enough, uh, he finds encouragement in one of the prominent figures in the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, one of the heroes of the faith, uh, a guy named Elijah. He was a prophet. He spoke powerfully for God. And uh, in one episode, in fact, you can read about Elijah in First and Second Kings, books in the Old Testament. But in one episode, Elijah has probably his greatest victory, and uh, he sees God powerfully show up and work an incredible uh, demonstration 
of his presence and his care. But lo and behold, right on the heels of that success, Elijah finds out not all his problems have been solved. There are more challenges to face. There are still people out there who don't like you, in fact, want to do you harm. And uh, something snaps inside of Elijah after this great victory, and he finds himself uh, feeling hopeless, afraid. He he literally runs away from the scene. He runs for days into the desert, just wanting to get away from life's uh, new and ongoing challenges. And again, maybe you can identify with Elijah as Pastor Hodges did. Uh, but we're told in the, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 that as Elijah ran, ran, he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. Uh, folks, this is Elijah sinking in to a very real sense of despair and depression. In fact, he said, I've had enough, Lord. I've maxed out. I don't have any more energy to deal with the issues of life. And he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and he fell into a depressive sleep. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, as despairing as Elijah was in this moment, this is actually where his healing begins. As he acknowledges to God the depth of his despair. He cries out, pours his heart out to God, doesn't pull any punches. And as I mentioned, Pastor Hodges found solace in this biblical hero. And as he watched Elijah's story unfold, as Elijah goes into a dark cave and there God begins to deal with him and lead him to a brighter place, Pastor Hodges saw his own journey unfolding. In fact, he wrote a book. The title of it is called Out of the Cave, and uh, it's really his own journey following the teachings of the life of Elijah and how God drew him out of his uh, season of darkness and despair and into the light. And you know, one of the lessons that comes out of uh, Chris's uh, biography, his dealing with his season of depression, is that we don't do ourselves any favors when we mask or we minimize our pain and our despair. And when we act as though, you know, uh, I've just taken a few shots in life, but hey, what are you going to do? We don't do ourselves any favors when we minimize uh, the difficulties that we're going through. In fact, uh, as you kind of read Chris's story, you realize uh, not talking about our suffering is not good for your mental health. It uh, actually leads to a point where our thoughts become toxic if we keep them to ourselves, try to resolve our our incongruent lives on the inside and what we're going through on the outside. In fact, uh, two of the books that became bestsellers in the recent pandemic times that we went through, one of them, a particularly poignant title, Your Thoughts are Killing You. (laughs) Your, Your thoughts, the things that you're telling yourself, your inner dialogue, It's literally uh, draining the life out of you. Another book that came out during the pandemic, it was called Get Out of Your Head, and it became a bestseller because a lot of people were searching for answers. How do I stop this downward despairing cycle of my thoughts? And uh, when we don't acknowledge them, talk about them, it's bad for our mental health, bad for our emotional health, 
It's also bad for our physical health. You know, when we uh, live with a sense of heaviness, it's like trying to drive your car with the emergency brake on. I did that once as a new driver, 16-year-old, drove all over town, wondered why it was I was having to put more gas on than usual, why my car felt so sluggish and uh, wasn't performing as it usually did. Lo and behold, uh, the brakes began to smell, and I realized, uh, hey, you got to release the emergency brake in order for that car to operate well. Well, the same is true uh, dealing with the difficult things uh, in our lives. If we don't uh, get them out where they can be exposed to the light, they drain on us physically. It's also bad for our relational health. You know, when we're not uh, feeling like we're able to be honest about the challenges that uh, we're going through and our inability to process them well, we start withdrawing uh, from friendships, we begin to isolate, and we miss the very thing that Jesus encouraged us to do, which was to wash one another's feet. The Apostle Paul would say later in his letter to the Galatians, confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And when we don't do that, uh, we suffer relationally. And finally, uh, it's uh, bad for our spiritual health when we minimize our pain and our despair. In fact, the Psalms are filled with examples of people of faith who brought their despair to God and there began to experience uh, a healing. Uh, you know, I love how Jesus uh, introduces his ministry in the Gospel of Luke, he takes a, a prophecy from the book of Isaiah, and he says basically, hey, look, uh, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what he said. The Spirit of God is upon me. The Sovereign Lord is upon me uh, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news uh, to the poor, uh, to provide for those who grieve to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and hear this, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And you know, if that's the very heart of the mission of Jesus, it ought to matter to us. Uh, even if uh, you personally aren't going through a dark or a difficult time, someone you know is, and uh, the very mission of Jesus is to bring hope, to bring light, to help those who are coping with life in that way. And so we come back uh, to this uh, foundational uh, truth that we're going to refer to throughout this series. Uh, Paul says, uh, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know, uh, sometimes all of those are really hard to do, especially when life is challenging. You know, just this week, uh, I was, became aware of, of three different sets of circumstance with people that I love and care for. Uh, one young family about to have their second child. Uh, the papa, the husband, uh, has a good job, but not a good paying job. And uh, the wife, on the other hand, uh, had a very good job with great benefits, and uh, she also happens to be six months pregnant. And uh, this week, she found out just out of the blue, and she lost her job along with uh, 18 of her coworkers. You know, life is challenging. How do you deal with you know, joy in the holidays when you're facing 
those kinds of circumstances. Uh, we've got another dear family in our church named Irv and Sharon. Less than a year ago, Irv was, was diagnosed with stage four uh, bladder cancer. And, uh, you know, I've just been amazed at their ability to find joy in the midst of what is a very difficult time for them. In fact, uh, this last week, uh, Irv took a fall. And uh, to add to his other challenges physically, he broke some vertebrae in his neck, lost feeling in his arms and legs, had surgery. And yet underneath all of that challenge, there's a sense of it's okay with us. There's still joy in their hearts. And, uh, you know, going back to this exhortation from the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, it's true, but is it helpful? And I want to look at one section uh, that reminds us where it is that we find that kind of overcoming joy. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you. And then hear these words, in Christ Jesus. In other words, we can do these things. We can find joy all the time. We can commune with God, whatever is going on. We can uh, discover that ability to be grateful people because of this reason and this reason alone. We are in Christ Jesus. I want to quickly uh, define for you what that means to be in Christ. And, uh, you know, there are many teachings in the Bible that talk about the radical change when we put our faith and hope in the Son of God who died for us, who rose from the dead, who lives now and is present through his Spirit to be in Christ. Uh, here's one of those descriptions, what that actually means. Uh, Paul is writing to his friends in Colossae. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We always ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives in order that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord and that pleases God. In every way, and now he talks about what kind of life is worthy of Jesus and pleases God in every way. It's one that bears fruit in every good work. It's one that's growing in the knowledge of God. It's one that's being strengthened with his power. And then finally, it's a life that is giving joyful thanks to the Father. For what reason? Well, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. In other words, all the heroes of the Bible that you read about, God has qualified us to join them. Every promise that they ever look forward to, we can anticipate for one reason, because we are now in Christ. In fact, Paul ends this glorious prayer with this perspective. He says, uh, in Christ, we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In all circumstance, when we've lost our job, when we've lost our health, when we've lost our way, when the, the outlook is dark and despairing, we can still know that we have an inheritance with the kingdom of light, that we've been transferred out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son whom God loves, where we experience a freedom from our flaws and our failures. Well, what's that look like? I want to end with a wonderful little uh, 
story, an episode from the life of Paul, who, as you read the scriptures, life wasn't easy for him. He had a lot of setbacks, dealt with a lot of difficulties. In fact, here's a glimpse of one of them. He's in a place called Philippi. They'd been teaching others about the resurrection of Jesus. They set some things in motion that liberated one young girl from an oppressive spirit. What they didn't know is that young girl was being used by some people to make money for them. And when she was free, they suddenly saw, we've lost our source of income. They stirred up a riot. It turned their anger towards Paul and Silas. We pick it up in Acts chapter 16. We're told that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That doesn't sound like fun. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. We don't want these guys getting out. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. And then uh, this amazing uh, miracle takes place, and that decrepit, uh, you know, incredibly uh, unfriendly environment, we're told that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, have you ever been beaten? I mean, like really beaten up? I had one experience where I was soundly thrashed by someone, and I'll tell you, that night, I didn't feel much like singing, but Paul and Silas are singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. You know, uh, you look at that situation, you ask the question, well, what in the world did Paul and Silas have to sing about? They'd been falsely accused, they'd been slandered, humiliated, they'd been beaten and incarcerated, and, uh, you know, here's what they had to sing about. They were in Christ, and they knew that regardless of what life brought their way, they had an inheritance they shared with all the heroes and saints of the Bible. They knew that they had been transferred out of the dominion of darkness. They lived in the kingdom of God's Son, regardless of what life brought their way. And that gave them hope. It allowed them to sing a little bit louder in the presence of their difficulties. You know, as we go to prayer, uh, I was reminded of this quote uh, that I often think about. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud says, you know, reality is your friend. And uh, what he's saying is that uh, the truth is, when we, when we acknowledge the truth about life, the harshness, the difficulties, but we know that uh, we can overcome in Christ. We have an inheritance. We have a future and a hope. That reality is our friend. Uh, Jesus said it like this. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And uh, that's what I'm praying for in this series, that as we uh, delve into the truth about our victory and the hope that we have, we allow God to stir in our hearts a spirit of praise and worship, even in the presence of our difficulties, that we experience a freedom that Jesus came to lead us into. Would you join me in a prayer? Uh, Father, thank you 
for your good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you so loved the world that you gave your only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we know that this world is filled with difficulties. Our lives seem to come with sequences of different challenges. We emerge from one to enter in to another. And I thank you that it's your desire to give us a peace that passes understanding, to give us a joy. You said we could be of good cheer because you've overcome the world in which we have our share of challenges. And Lord, we just invite you uh, make this advice not just true, not just good, but helpful in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.